0: None of what follows should be construed as the responsibility of either the Board of Directors or the staff or the membership of the American Council of the Blind and is solely the responsibility of those who are involved in the production of Tuesday Topics. Good evening. My name's Paul Edwards and I would like to welcome everyone to Tuesday Topics. Appreciate your being here and uh, appreciate the the intriguing beginning, which we've had to Tuesday Topics. I'd like to uh, thank Paul Edwards for doing the disclaimer and um, like to also thank both um, Larry uh, Gassman and Rick Morin uh, for making sure that uh, Tuesday Topics makes it onto the air every week. Uh, So, Rick and Larry, good evening, gentlemen.
1: Good evening, and I think we're going to use what you just did at the beginning and loop it, and we don't need disclaimers anymore. we just to the <laughs> topics. There you go.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, tonight, uh, I am pleased to see that there are a few folks out there, uh, because if we didn't have some folks out there, we'd be in, in deep trouble I have been thinking about this topic for a long time and have been mumbling about it occasionally, either before the program or occasionally at the end of the program, because it's a, it, it's, it's a question that has certainly been a part of my life. I was married uh, for the first time to a lady who was sighted, and then my second relationship was with uh, a lady who was blind. Uh, as as uh, have been uh, the two other relationships that I've had since then um, uh, so so clearly I have probably made a decision as as one person that relations or or that long-term relationships between uh, two folks who are blind are more satisfactory and um, than long-term relationships between uh, a sighted person and blind person so that's kind of the decision that i've made and and the history but when we did tuesday topics 12 years ago this was one of the topics that we actually um that we actually did then and and it was pretty controversial Um, there there are folks who were involved in relationships and had strong opinions about relationships between uh, folks who were blind and folks who were sighted, um, that um, who felt very strongly uh, that the relationship between uh, a person who was blind and a person who was sighted was, was in all kinds of ways uh, a far better relationship. Um, And so what I expect us to hear tonight as we go along is lots of opinions uh, about um, what makes uh, a a relationship work for folks who are blind and what makes it not work. Um, I think that obviously everyone who is involved in a relationship is different. And each individual has likes and dislikes, so nothing that's going to be said by anyone tonight um, is going to be construed as a wrong answer. I think everybody is entitled, particularly in a case like this one, to have their own opinions, um, and 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 I think that... Um, it, it's interesting because the, the two folks who are part of our production team have been in very different relationships. Rick has been uh, in, in a relationship with someone who's sighted for an awfully long time. And on the other hand, Larry has been in a relationship, um, one major one, uh, with uh, a young lady who was visually impaired. So um, they perhaps will want to participate with us later. Um but I don't think, and, and, and I'm going to shut up soon, I don't think it's a question of trying to judge which is necessarily better or worse, because I think that's a decision that's made by the individuals who enter into those relationships. But I think what we can do, and what I hope we'll do, is focus on some of the things that are problematic with both kinds of relationships, and some of the things that are amazingly good about both kinds of relationships. And obviously, there are degrees everywhere. So, is a relationship between someone who is partially sighted and someone who's fully sighted more likely to work than a relationship between somebody who's totally blind and somebody who is sighted? How much difference does it make if the sighted person is a female or a male? Are relationships that 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 are composed of a sighted person who is a male more likely to be successful than one that that, that involves a female who is fully sighted? Uh, I think those are some of the questions that I'm hoping will emerge as the the evening wears on and are as our discussion evolves. So, I think. There's lots for us to discuss, lots of pros, lots of cons, and and I think the potential for lots of interesting discussion. So uh, I think that we're going to begin to open it up and see uh, whether anyone...
2: Oh, yeah. uh, Oh, yeah. We got some folks that are in a fighting mood tonight, Paul.
0: Ah, this is a good thing, (laughs) Mr. Rick. Who is first into the ring?
2: Can I just ask a question, though? Right, you You can. If someone has only been married once, uh huh, that's their only frame of reference, right? Sure. So um, it's, I mean, you you know, you can evaluate why your relationship worked or didn't work, and you know, but to say that it would be better in a different context, unless, well, you know, it's. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna shut up. I'm yeah, gonna let, let I, I the,
0: think you're actually making an extremely good point. I, I I absolutely agree. How do you know that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence? How How do you know that what you're likely to get is better? Yeah, um, I mean, it, you I mean, know, it's like it's like the song that I that I sent you a few weeks ago. Uh, about about the guy who decided that he wanted yeah. to have a mistress yeah. and 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 clearly for for him that was a really cool idea and apparently in regency in victorian england having mistresses for members of the upper class was virtually de rigueur and um and yet it, they didn't see any reason um to change their marital situation they just had they just had both, and and that's certainly been true um, in in a lot of relationships. It probably is true in a lot today, but I but I think you're right. We I don't think there's any way to to evaluate a, a relationship if you if you've only ever experienced one kind. But I think what we can say is if that relationship has lasted for a long time, there are likely to be some pretty good things about it, and some things that. That enable it to survive, and 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 if those relationships don't survive, then there are some clear, clearly some things that 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 make that the case. Yeah,
2: and you, and, you and, can, and you can certainly talk yeah. about certain stressors too. That yeah, that that may have resulted. Um, yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly you're not advocating, Paul, that everybody gets married three times, right?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> No, no, that, that, that would not be my proposal. Um, but, but, but I think everyone ought to think about uh, what the strengths of their relationships are. And one of the things that may come out of tonight is to help folks who are in a particular kind of relationship um, to be provided with some positives that will operate for that, which they may not be thinking about and which they may be able to implement in order to make the relationship better. Yeah, so it's not necessarily critical. Mr. Lair, anything that you'd like to add before we open it up?
1: No, I'll wait a little bit. Go ahead. Let's take some let's take some <laughs> questions because yeah. I'll come back.
2: The, the, Very good. The, the voice of reason <laughs> is first tonight. Deanna Noriega. That's what
0: Yeah. All right. Hey Deanna. Okay.
3: Hi. Hey Deanna. <laughs> well, I did it a lot before I got married. I got married at twenty-two. But I'd known my husband since our Freshman Get Acquainted um, camp up in the mountain um, Mm -hmm. when they took all of the freshmen up there. And I met him uh, the evening of the the Get Acquainted dance. I went outside because the music was too loud and I was sitting on a rock. And a girl from my dorm um, floor came up and introduced us. He was with her. (laughs) And one of the things that that happens if you're um, considered, for whatever reason, I just happened to fit the right type for cons- being considered pretty at that time. Right. I had never cut my hair, which meant I had this long, straight hair Yum. that went down to my knees. And I was petite, but I definitely... um one of my friends called me the pocket Venus, so, so I had good figure, but I was tiny, you know, and vivacious, and...
0: But everybody could tell you were a girl.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, and But I had grown up very wary of getting too involved in relationships because I, my mother had been through a series of boyfriends and, and marriages, and all I could see from that was... You started out all starry-eyed and you took off all your armor and shared, you know, your inner thoughts, your inner feelings with this person. Then when things started to go bad, they knew all the right places to make it hurt. Yep. And I was very wary of getting that into any kind of relationship. I wanted to get my education. I was the first one in my family to go to college. I wanted to have a profession. I wanted to have enough money to travel and have nice clothes. And I didn't think I really needed the company. I had a guide dog.
0: (laughs) Do you think
3: think that the way
0: way you were brought up?
3: Yeah, um, it was because I was goal-oriented from very young. My mother said, you know, baby girl, you can't wait tables, you can't work in a factory, you can't pump uh-huh. guests, you're gonna have to use your brain. So, you know, that was drummed in. If I gotta be, my mother says, Aren't you studying enough? <laughs>
0: you think that they were afraid of um of of how guys would treat their poor little blind kid?
3: In a way, yes, I was engaged in my senior year, and they liked him because he was already, he was 10 years older than I was Mm -hmm. a senior in high school, and he was out in the world. He owned his own home. He had a good paying job, and he would have um, put me under a bell jar glass and kept me there Mm
4: -hmm.
3: because he had had two marriages that hadn't worked out. And he was very possessive and very controlling. And Mm -hmm. it quickly occurred to me that I'm too independent. Mm -hmm. And they were upset when I gave the engagement ring back. But I said, if he can't trust me out of his sight, you know, and doesn't trust that I am the kind of person that keeps my word and that is not interested in flirting with various people or, you know, making Mm -hmm. conquests. You know, then this is not going to work because he's going to want to put me up on a little shelf like a Dresden figurine. And I have too much curiosity about the world. I have too many things I want to do. Mm -hmm. So if he won't even let me go off to college for a year to find out if I can live on my own and really make it, he's asking me to jump from being somebody's daughter to be mm-hmm. somebody's wife with no chance to grow up in between and find out who I really was and what I wanted.
0: And so, and he I, was sighted, side, right? Sighted, yes. Yep.
3: In fact, that was the whole thing. Um, before I even knew who he was, my partially sighted friends on a ski trip um, to Big Bear kept saying, there's this guy that just keeps staring at you. huh And I thought that was weird And then he showed up at my house I don't know how he got my address You know, because I didn't live anywhere Near Big Bear And introduced himself to my parents And asked me out for ice cream My goodness So he thought of me as this this Very pretty, very pure Very sweet little girl Well I was, but I was also Kind of a Hardhead (laughs) And and it Goal-driven person. So we didn't really match. And it was my best friend who caught on because she said, you know, all I've heard you talk about is your, your your China pattern and this and that having to do with the wedding. And she said, and you talk too fast and you laugh too much. And you only do that when something's really bothering you. Right. You know, she <clears> says, when you bubble bubble to your foam at the mouth, you're stressed. Uh-huh. So I thought about it and I realized I was, cause I was having serious doubts, but everybody around me thought it was so wonderful that I had, a, you know, a big hunking engagement ring mm-hmm. and, you know, that I was, you know, going to get married in June right after graduation, if he had his way. And I could say, no, I want a year to go to college. And he just wouldn't listen. And so I gave him back the ring and, um, I dated before getting engaged to a lot of US. So I guess I did the USO US, as a junior volunteer, right? And so I got several proposals for a Vietnam <laughs> yep.
4: servicemen
3: mm-hmm. who wanted somebody mm-hmm. to hold on to back home. And you know, I could have married any one of those quite easily, but I was still, you know, I was thinking. Don't really know who I am. You can't learn that much about a girl just by dancing with her on a dance floor. Right. And I thought, you know, these people just see the outside package. And if they're not interested in finding out what's on the inside, this is not good material for long term relationships. Yep. 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 So I went off to college and thought, you know, no, I'm not getting married. He asked me to marry him when we'd known each other six months. And I didn't give up until we were in our junior year um uh-huh. and it was because of me that look I know I know what you like I know what you want and he said you think of love as a cage then I'm going to clip your wings and he said I'd never do that to you because that would be destroying the things I love about you best and he said that my blood is like this. And he took my fingertips and he placed them in the center of his hand on the palm with his hand open. And he said, it's a resting place where you can come back anytime you get tired of flying dragons.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> nice.
3: And he said, look, I would never clip your wings. I would never tell you no if you wanted to do something. All I'd ask is that you always come home to me when you're done. And he said, "I wouldn't even care if you had an affair at some point, out of curiosity, because you're pretty young." And you you know, and I said, "Well, that's dumb because that's not who I am either. I don't. Yep. I don't make promises I don't keep."
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's one of the things I've always done is made it very clear that I'm married, that I have kids, that I'm a grandma and a great grandma. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So, Even though I may be vivacious and very friendly, and love my friends, both male and female, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
3: I never go to a convention without giving Brian Charleston a hug and Kim too. Of course
0: not, because I love them both.
3: Yeah, I give you a hug because we've known each other tons of years, and you wouldn't misunderstand it. I would not. That was the thing that I was very careful about: always to let people know I'm honest. And I'm straightforward. Mm-hmm. And if somebody comes on to me in a in a sexual way, I just tell them, don't go there. You know, yep. if you want to be my friend, don't go there.
4: Mm-hmm. Because
3: I am a committed person. And when I give my promise to be with someone to Death to West Park, that's yeah. what I believe in. So that's what and
0: I'm, the guy I guy you
3: curious. You know? Yep. yep.
0: Sure. The guy Um, you married at the end of college is the, is the same husband you're with now?
3: Yeah. 51 years this year. Wow. That's pretty cool.
0: He is sighted.
3: Yeah. He's.
0: And did you think about that?
3: No, it had nothing to do with it. No. He's very shy and very bright and he makes me laugh.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And when we have disagreements, We don't hold them inside and let them build up. We talk about them right then. Then That is so cool. We give each other a cooling off period to think it over. Then we come back again and we work on a plan to handle whatever the issue was in a way that, that compromise is important. But it's also important that when he says, this is really important to me or I say it. That the other person listens and finds out why.
0: So you and think that that a relationship between a sighted guy and and a blind girl, at least from your experience, can can really work well?
3: It can. Uh, the thing that I never wanted to, to be so dependent. I didn't marry him because he can read, or right? Because, because he can drive, right? And I don't stay with him for those reasons, right? because I know I'm perfectly capable of living alone and taking care of myself right but um, I, 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 I know when them I them was
0: when I was married to a sighted person
3: yeah
0: um, one of the things that one of the things that I did and it sounds to me as though you're coming towards saying the same thing is I always wanted to be sure that uh, that that I contributed as as much to the relationship and as much to doing stuff around the house um, as as um, as she, as she did just just because I I didn't want there ever to be a, a way that a person could kind of say, well, you're you know you're just taking advantage of this person who's sighted, who's driving you everywhere and and who's reading all the mail and that kind of stuff.
3: No one of the things it's just we choose which things we want to do like, I absolutely do not like cleaning toilet bowls.
0: Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <You
3: know? laughs> because I have to be able to touch things in order mm-hmm. to know they're clean. I can't do it with gloves, so I can't use really harsh cleaners.
0: Nope.
3: You know, so you know, we've talked about these things, and I said, look, I know you hate t- to do dishes because you were a bus boy when we met. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you worked in a restaurant. And so that's not your thing, but you know, I know that as a blind person, I am not going to be a really good vacuumer. I can do a grid uh-huh. pattern, and I can do a pretty good job. But uh, I swear, German Shepherd dust bunnies uh-huh. hide. They're so smart that they hide until the vacuum is put away, and then they come creeping back out again. Uh-huh. So, you know, so, I um. I said, "Look, let's just divide it up on what you're good at and what I'm Uh good at, things that you like to do, and things that I like to do, and things that we don't like to do. We'll kind Mm -hmm. of try to figure out how many of those you want to take and how many of these I want to take, you know. And so that's what we do. We're we are equal partners. It's hard now because Curtis has a neurologic condition. He has diabetes. He has COPD." And he's often in a lot of pain, um, so he's short-tempered, which he never was before. But honestly, I figure this guy stuck with me all these years. Um, I can't, you know, having a hard-headed woman in your life isn't always an easy road. Do
0: you think? Do you think it's hard for him to 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 accept that he's much more dependent on you than he yes. used to be?
3: Yes. So I'm very gentle yeah. about it and I will ask for help on things I can perfectly well do, but I know yep. that he needs to feel needed, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: So I, I you know, have to remind myself um, when I got, had to have back surgery in December, for neural pain because Uh I've lost three inches in height and I wasn't tall to begin with.
0: (laughs) No, you were not.
3: (laughs) So I got a lot of compression in my lower back, which was causing neural spasms, which were painful. Mm -hmm. And because of all the lifting and carrying I do now that he's in a wheelchair, um, Mm -hmm. it was making it worse. And I could tell when I had done too much, I would pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I would be in pain about every 20, 30 minutes all night long and have to shift position. So, you know, it was not a fun thing. So so having a neural um, stimulator implanted to keep those nerves from overreacting Mm -hmm. um, was scary. And I knew I wouldn't be able to lift anything heavier than a carton of milk for six weeks. Because they'd want all those those wires and and the battery and everything to to be locked in with with um, mm-hmm. scar tissue before I you know accidentally shifted them and ended their work.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, um, I talked about. Well, did you want one of our granddaughters to come live here? And he said no. He said I can do a lot more than you think I can. And I said, well, should I hire someone to come in? I, so, we hired Mary Maids to, to help with the, mm-hmm. with the heavy cleaning, mm-hmm. the, you know, develop the mopping and stuff like that.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And he said, you know, we bought front-loading washer and dryer so I can take on the laundry. There was an awful lot of blue words coming out of the laundry room during that time.
4: <laughs> I believe he, it.
3: But he did it. and. You know, he said, I can feed the dogs. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be, you know, reaching down into a barrel and, you know, shoveling out dog food and lifting a 35 pound bag of dog food to dump it into the container. He said, you know, that's aggravated your back problems. So Mm -hmm. we have to find new ways to do stuff and think it through. Mm -hmm. And if I can help you, I will. And if you, and, and I will try to be more independent. So we did. We worked it out nice. like we always have, by talking.
0: <coughs> that's excellent. Miss Deanna, thank you for sharing.
3: Mm-hmm. I think it's more important if you're compatible personalities.
0: Uh, yep. I think, that's, um, I think that's a very good point and a, and a good way of putting it. Thank you so much. Mr. Rick?
2: Yes, yeah, Steve, uh, Steve Dresser, please
5: okay well um hey wow, steve this is How this is you? great uh, i'm enjoying what i'm hearing here and and this is a topic that i've done a lot of thinking about um in my life i've been married twice as you may or may not know i do know you do know okay i oh, am yeah. well, we we, <laughs> we don't have met- to worry about that no nope, met um, both of your wives in fact okay um Wow. Okay. Um, I I guess I would say that <clears throat> the assumption that I had when I started thinking about dating uh, and that kind of thing was that I would be dating sighted women and marrying a sighted uh-huh. woman. Um, I, in fact, got away from the whole blindness community by uh, going to public high school when I was a freshman and I kind of wanted to be as far away from that as I could because not not because I wanted a sighted person to do things for me but because I wanted to take my place in the sighted world as much as I could. Uh-huh. Um, it was a mixed experience. Um, I Ran, I encountered some women when I was in college who uh, wanted to fix me. Um, and I remember one, I remember one woman saying to me kind of wistfully, Oh, you're so independent. And I kind of s- <laughs> didn't know what to say, except that I kind of stood there and kind of went, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, what, what else would I be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, So we fast forward to the point when I met Cheryl, and of course, it had not really occurred to me up until then that I might get interested in a blind person. Um, I knew her a little bit when I was uh, at Oak Hill, the School for the Blind in Connecticut, but not well. And one of the things that we had in common was that we both went to public high school kind of broke away from that and so although we were blind uh one of the things we had in common was that we didn't want to be thought of as uh you know pitiable blind people yep so that kind of changed the way i looked at the relationship and in terms of you know what i could what what i could and couldn't and wanted and didn't want to do um, and I felt a little bit conflicted about it because I thought, well, gee, you know, maybe are you, are you settling here? Are you, you know, could you do better? Um, and the answer to that is, I don't know. Um, but what did finally kind of settle it for me, I began to think about some of the things that we as blind people have in common. Um, you know, you come home from a hard day of work, Uh, and you're two and a half hours late because you were standing at the bus stop and the bus you wanted blew right by you and it was another hour and a half wait and you know you you explain that to a sighted person and they kind of don't really know how that feels but you you don't have to explain it to a blind person I mean they 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 just know and so in a way it was you know stuff like that that kind of decided me now uh-huh. did it create problems absolutely um it would have been it would have been nice to have somebody who could see to drive um our kids places i mean we worked uh-huh. it out but you know there there are things that were more difficult um my kids learned early to read mail <laughs> because uh-huh. You know, even if they didn't understand what it meant, they could read it. And as a result, they got to be pretty good readers. Um, Uh Both my son and my daughter did. Uh Um, Now, fast forward. And, and, you know, of course, Cheryl and I did ultimately get divorced. And I don't think uh, when we went for counseling, one of the one of the people that was potentially going to be our marriage counselor said, well, this is obviously a problem because. Uh, both of you are blind and you know at that point eh, not that eh. one you know, well, gone find another you know. counselor <laughs> Yep, exactly exactly um and you know after we got divorced uh i thought about it and i thought well yeah maybe you know i, I quite possibly could find a sighted person i i knew by then that there would probably be things that I would have to work out with a sighted woman that I would not have to work out with a blind one. Right. Different, different set of problems. I mean, you know, not the least of which would be not leaning on somebody too much. Exactly. However, none of that actually happened because then I met Marcia and that was the end of all debates on who was going to be dating who because she was the one. And I do mean yep. the one. Yep. Um, ironically, one of the kind of funny things that happened, because she had so much poise that in a lot of ways, I, for a while when I first met her, I assumed she had vision, or at least some vision. Uh, yep. Because she was so good at maneuvering around a room, finding people in a room. Uh-huh. Um, and. and it it got to it it was really kind of funny because when we were first dating one time we we're, were sitting there watching tv and i darted in front of the of her quickly because i didn't want to obstruct her view of the television set <laughs> <laughs> not that that made much sense because she's totally blind of course and, yep. and then but, but and then i kind of got to a point where i i after we got married i am thinking well gee this is a little frustrating. You know, she's totally blind. I'm totally blind. But I think of her kind of as being sort of sighted. And, and I'm finding myself saying, well, why can't you do that? I mean, I knew why, but, you know, it was a little frustrating. Um, so I think, I, I guess where I'm rambling on and going with all of this is that ultimately, uh, I don't think it matters if the person you're with is sighted or blind, as long as you understand that there may be different sets of dynamics and things that you're going to have to work out. And as long as you can do that, I think you can have whatever kind of relationship you want. The, the people that I get a little worried about are people like a friend of mine who every time he has hooked up with a sighted woman... Uh, she ends up taking care of him until she gets sick of it, and then blows town. Um, <coughs> and, you know that I don't think is a good idea, but and and but that is kind of a problem. I I look at that as his issue. That it's not it's not the fact that he's dating a sighted person. It, it's the fact that he is not taking control of his life in the way that I think would make sense. And so he might have trouble even with a blind person because he wouldn't be. He, he wouldn't be as independent as he needs to be. I, I guess, I guess for me, what I'm saying is you really need, no matter what relationship you're in, you really need to be in charge of your own life. Yep. You can't expect someone to do that for you. And you shouldn't expect that. And they should not expect either to have to do it for you or to have you be in charge of their lives. And 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 that's the lesson I took away from my first marriage, um, I, I I think by the time I met Marsha, I was much more interested in having somebody who was a real equal partner. Right. Um, when I met when when I married Cheryl, I was just so grateful that she listened to me and didn't challenge me a whole lot because I think I was kind of fragile in the ego department at that point, and right. you know, so I didn't I didn't want anybody to uh, challenge me. By the, by the time Marsha came on the scene, I realized that there are times when you really need to hear from your partner uh, some things that you may not want to hear, but yep. you need to hear them anyway. And, you know, so if I were to do it again, uh, I would definitely go for the partner role, blind or sighted, whoever that might be.
0: So I got the impression listening to you at the beginning that initially, sort of immediately after college, you perceived that what you really wanted to do was to date sighted, sighted women rather than, rather than blind women.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, do you think there's any sense that you settled where Cheryl was concerned?
5: Um, that's a good question. And I was going to say no. And then I was going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm not sure which, because I, I, I think, I think I did, but I think what I was settling for was the, was the fact that she wasn't going to challenge yep. me a lot. Yep. Yep. Not, not because she was blind, but because she just wasn't going to.
0: Well, and but I think also that's because I also because you were as independent as you were and knew what you wanted and 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 had a had a pretty strong ego and a pretty strong sense of who you were, and, or and at, at least that
5: didn't point, want anybody to oppose me,
0: right? I, at I mean, a, and I, at that point, Cheryl fit. You know, yeah. later, yeah. later. You know, Marsha's Marsha's uh, an entirely different animal. She uh, yes. she 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 had her 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 own strengths and and they were absolutely they were immense you know that Marsha and um marcia and gail were very much alike in lots of respects so so i know yeah. exactly what you're talking about yeah um performing far better as totally blind people than most totally blind people do yep yep so mr dresser thank you so much for calling in
5: this was fun well- Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying this and I'm glad you decided to bring it up as a Tuesday topic because I think, um, I think it's something we need to explore a lot more than we often do. Thank you.
0: I think so too.
5: Mr. Rick.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't help but think, you know, I'd I've been around Steve and Marsha a lot, and mm-hmm. the thing that I I just thought was so incredible uh, all the time was that they always addressed each other as partner. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I just thought that was so cool. And to hear him mm-hmm. speak about that tonight, I, I I think is you know just it it puts uh, puts a lot of things in perspective. But that that was good.
5: It it was really the corner cornerstone of our relationship, Rick. I mean, that, that was, if there was anything that was the, that was the base of it all, that was it. I mean, we, we both really wanted that.
2: No, I, I, I think it's absolutely terrific. And, (laughs) and, um, uh, you know, I, I, I've never met anybody else that referred to their, their partner as partner. And I, 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 I just thought it was, you know, it was just so cool. I mean, obviously, you guys had a connection that, that was very, very special. and and
5: uh, That was actually Marsha's idea. I mean, I I would never have thought of doing it. In fact, when she first started doing it, I felt a little strange about it. I thought, gee, you know, I have a name, and <laughs> isn't my name what's really important to me? Partner Steve. And,
2: partner Steve.
5: Well, yeah, yeah. But, but, but then, you know, is oh. it? No, went on, and, it was, and I was kind of picked up the habit. Yeah, it was. Um, it was
2: so loving, you know.
5: Yeah. yeah, I I began to realize the dimensions of what it meant. Yeah, and you know, I I completely came on board with it. Yeah. Yep. No. Excellent.
2: Yeah, thanks for calling in, Steve. That was great. No, oh, you're was, welcome. That was very nice. Uh, Mary Lee.
0: Hey, Mary Lee. I'm not sure I know you, but I'm a.
2: Am I off
6: mute? You are. Hi there. Hello. No, you don't know me. At least I don't remember you. But anyway, (laughs) I have my life is has been. Oh, quite a rocky one, shall we say. And um, uh, I don't even know. I'm legally blind and um, have more vision than my twin sister. Um, who is also on this call and who encouraged me to get on. Um, I guess the, the quintessential, uh, what's a good way to say it? I had a relationship with a man who was sighted. Mm-hmm. And um, it took me years to get over it. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't until his father pulled me aside and said, look, this guy is a hitman for the mafia and you need to get out of this relationship before he kills you. And he was not kidding. And, um, so I suggested to him one night, I said, you know, what, what if I what if I suggested that we break up? What would you do? And he said, without a moment's hesitation, I will throw lie in your face. And, um, nice luckily,
0: guy. What? Nice guy.
6: <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, it wasn't until I got, a, a quite severe case of mono and was, uh, mononucleosis and was right. hospitalized And so was not available for his use um, that I, you know, the relationship finally ended. And, um, you know, I was the perfect, the perfect um, uh, in a position where he could really control me because I was, you know, I was great looking. I had a wonderful figure, big, big boobs, long legs. Yeah, uh, And I was blind and I couldn't get away from him.
0: So you probably couldn't drive.
6: Oh, uh, no, <laughs> no. Right. And so I was, it was, um, like I said, it took me years and years of therapy to ever even begin to talk about it. Um, so um, I have been married four times. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of them was um, a partially sighted guy. Mm-hmm. And he figured out how to rip me off as well. He was a, and still is, a pathological liar. Mm -hmm. And um, there's another term, but I can't think of it right now. So, you know, uh, it's not just limited to sighted guys, let me tell you, or women. (laughs) And uh, so it's it's, um, partially why... I do what I do. I'm a consultant. I work with adults who are new to sight loss to give them opportunities uh, to take, take their own lives on and uh, deal with the um, the... Preconceptions of what about what blindness is do
0: you think so that a lot do you think that a lot of women uh, who are losing their sight I'm assuming you work a lot with women um, but a lot of the women who lose their sight also lose their their confidence in their own ability to be dateable or to have good relationships
6: oh absolutely yeah. absolutely and there's lots of statistical Information out there to document that um, persons with disabilities, women and men, are significantly um, experience more sexual abuse and control. Yeah.
0: Yep. Well, and there's, there's also, there are also statistics out there that say that people with disabilities in general are more likely to be sexually abused than, than folks mm-hmm. who are not disabled.
6: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. absolutely.
6: So I don't so, know if this is helpful or not, but oh,
0: I think it is. is. So we we've talked about two of your relationships. Um, one one partial sided, one sided. The mm-hmm. other the other the other two for a variety of reasons didn't work, or has one worked?
6: Right. Nope, they didn't work either. Mm-hmm. One was a guy who has um has another disability, cerebral palsy. Uh, unfortunately he was trying to prove his worth to his father who was dead. (laughs) Uh So like it wasn't going to happen. So there was uh, a lot of psychological, um, abuse in that relationship. Right. Um, But lucky for lucky for that one, his idea of a good time was to go for a ride and shove me out of the car and, um, provide me the opportunity to find my way home without a cane because i didn't use a cane back then but Mm -hmm. i I sure do now (laughs) (laughs) and i always have enough money to get out of wherever i am and a working Mm -hmm. cell phone and and a bunch of other things
0: so excellent you know you're still dating though uh
6: no no
0: okay
6: you know i'm 75 and i have decided that i have a an abundance of amazing relationships <laughs> yep. with both men and women. And frankly, you know, I don't need to marry them or sleep with them unless I choose to. So I think that's no. fair. Yeah. Thank you.
0: So, yep. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I very much appreciate hearing your story. Well, thank you. I hope, I you're, I hope, I'm hope shocked your sister that I really calls doing, in too. What? I <laughs> hope your sister calls in too. Oh, she usually does. So oh, that's excellent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. You're welcome.
0: Excellent. Mr. Rick.
2: Yeah. We've got uh, Anne, Anne or Mike and or Michael Byington. I'm not sure which one we got tonight.
0: I don't know them. Well, <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, we, Anne, got, oh we got Michael. Oh, crap. Yes,
7: you do. Anne is in the room with me. But uh, she has pretty adamantly said she's not going to say anything. And I didn't actually, I got confused. I got my weeks mixed up and actually logged on to hear about voting. So this was a real shock to find. (laughs) That was last week. But uh, yeah, I figured that out now. But I'm not going to talk about ends and my relationship except to say that uh, we're about to celebrate our 43rd wedding anniversary and it's ongoing. And I don't think either one of us are going to change that. But the thing I thought perhaps that I could add to this discussion was a discussion of, uh, you know, being single and visually impaired. And I'm legally blind and is totally blind uh, for those of us who don't know us. Uh, yep. And uh, in, in high school, I was, in a very large city high school about uh, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of close to 3,000 students and uh, there was one other person who happened to be female and who was legally blind in the school and she was very good looking and she was a folk singer and uh, played the guitar and had a wonderful voice and there were a lot of charming things about her and I was a trophy winning debater and uh, in a lot of plays and doing stuff. We were both people who uh, had a certain prominence in the high school. But I think the fact that we were two legally blind people in a sea of sighted people almost caused people to force us together And had we decided not to date each other, we almost would have had to have uh, really thought to not be together. And I was much more the dependent of the two of us uh, in that I wanted to have a girlfriend. I just thought that was a very important thing to be doing in high school. And uh, Ginger, quite frankly, Uh, Couldn't have cared one way or the other whether she had a boyfriend or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I wanted to go somewhere with her and she didn't have anything else to do, uh, she found me to be adequate company. And so we were together. And because we were together, it actually increased our social status with the sighted folks because when they were planning who was going to be in the promenade for the prom or this or that, and they had to have students do this that they knew were established couples. We were always somebody that they thought of. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I find the most interesting about this is I don't think there was anything about our both having low vision that caused us not to end up getting married and spending our life together. Uh, I did follow her to college. Uh, she chose the college she wanted to go to, and then I chose to go there because she was going there, and that's, quite frankly, the way that happened. But when she got into college, she began to develop some uh, schizophrenic symptoms and ultimately was diagnosed as being full-blown schizophrenic, which is something that had not uh, evidenced itself uh, much in high school, although as I look back on things, perhaps there were some signs that should have been picked up and weren't. But it was the schizophrenia that really caused us not to stay together and that I right. couldn't deal with. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people don't think about those secondary disabilities and the things that, that they have to do with relationships and so on. And... Uh, You know, what can I say about my current relationship? I bounced around and changed colleges a couple of times, at least once, because I thought I wanted to date somebody at that college. That relationship then lasted only about six weeks, but uh, uh, that's where I met Anne, whom I've been married to for 43 years. And as a, a legally blind person married to a totally blind person, I really can't think of any big ways in which that it's been an issue for us. My mother was legally blind. So I had some experience with having blindness in the family. And a lot of my parents' friends were couples where one or both of them were blind because they knew a lot of people that went to the school for the blind. But it's just really interesting to me how much concentration there is with people trying to, Apply blindness to the way relationships go in ways that really I don't think the blindness has a whole lot to do with it, and uh, I, I guess that was my thought that I wanted to to share tonight.
0: I think that's important. You guys, you guys had an interesting relationship because late in your relationship, or relatively late in your relationship you suddenly were able to do something that most blind people were not able to. That is, you were able to get a license and drive somewhat. Actually, I uh,
7: I, had that re- I had that restricted license when Ann and I met. And I guess that sort of made me like a sighted person, except it didn't because uh, I couldn't drive everywhere that... Mm-hmm else wanted to drive. I was always restricted to familiar areas only. Right. And uh, it took a while for Anne to understand what I could do and what I couldn't do driving. Right. It took a while for me to understand that. And one thing that you probably don't know, Paul, is that uh, now that I'm in my late 60s, I have stopped driving because the reflexes slow down and I had some experiences mm-hmm. where I just didn't think I ought to do that anymore. And it quite frankly has been an adjustment to us with neither one of us realizing, even though I couldn't drive outside of familiar areas, but to be able to jump in the store and drive down the street to the local uh, market to Mm -hmm. order milk or whatever was uh, something that we have to do a lot more planning about. And uh, I'm an OM instructor, so obviously, I knew all the techniques and finding wheels right. and all that stuff. But now I'm, I'm living it in ways that I didn't when I was a driver.
0: And, uh, interesting. And I didn't know that. So that, that makes it interesting. So you almost, you almost had to do what a lot of sighted people have to do, that is give up driving. And it, it, uh, it, it must have been traumatic, at least to a degree.
7: Uh, Well, it still is to an extent. I mean, one thing, uh, Anne was a guide dog user for uh, through six dogs. And because she's developed more of a hearing impairment, she chose not to get a seventh guide dog. But we were lonely for the companionship of a dog. So she told the school that uh, we would be willing to take a guide or service dog that maybe had to retire early for some reason. And we got a lovely... 85 pound black lab named Journey, who had been a service dog, but now, and his owner had died, so he was only five when we got him. We'll have him for a while. And Anne said, when I quit driving, she said, you know, it's really not a problem for me, except I had always thought that we would be able to drive and take Journey with us a lot of places. And now using public transportation, since he is not legally a service or guide dog anymore, uh-huh. we can't do that. And uh, that has required a lot of additional planning. And, um, you know, Journey is a very active dog who barks at us when we put him in his crate and leave him if <laughs> we only going to be gone for a short time. And So we just we don't really get out quite as much because we can't put him in the car and take him with us like we used to. That's probably been the biggest thing. Using Uber instead of driving or me yep. walking down the street for a couple of blocks and getting on the bus to go downtown to my office, uh, which I do still maintain downtown, mm-hmm. uh, hasn't really been a problem, but not being able to take journey has been a problem and it has created some stresses for us as a couple, but we've been married almost 43 years and we just decided we're going to get past that too.
0: No, I am. I am a huge fan of the Byington couple. And even though she's not saying anything tonight, miss Ann, love you, my dear. And it's, it's, um, it's good to have you listening anyway. Actually, um,
7: I've got to tell you something funny. I thought she was sitting on the other side of the room, but I just turned around and, uh, looked back there. And I think she has now gone into the other room and is back on her e-reader again. Um, which, <laughs> uh, ever since she got the e-reader, uh, that has been the biggest rival, uh, probably since our marriage began.
0: Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm on my own most of the time now, so I can, I can do that whenever I want. And I, it's, it's amazing how much reading you can get done if you're working at it. Right. Michael, thank you so much for your thoughts. Well, thank I think you. They've so been much. very helpful. Uh, and I'm enjoying the show, even though this isn't what I thought I was going to be here. <laughs> well, I'm glad you are. <laughs> Feel free to put your hand up later if you've got some else to contribute. Thank you. Thanks, Michael.
2: Carrie Muth, please.
0: Hey, Carrie.
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: Yeah, I am good.
8: Good. So um, so I have a I have a varied past. I have been, I have RP, so I was diagnosed at 14. So, you know, in high school, I thought, oh, I'm never going to have a normal life, never going to have a boyfriend, never going to drive, never, you know, what, have a family. Well, that's not been my life. Yeah, um, <laughs> had a few uh, boyfriends, whatever. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest things I've, I've, so I've been, because of RP, my visions decreased over time. So I've been the person in relationships and the blind right. person. Nice. And so it's, and I've been with totally sighted men and, you know, totally blind men. So, you know, mm-hmm. quite a variety of experiences in my life. And, you know, I think it really, a lot of it comes down to knowing yourself. One of the big things that I know I was not taught and I, I don't think a lot of young people are really taught is, you know, what do you really you know, who would be best in your life? You know, what should your partner look like? Look, not look like, but you know, their characteristics, you know, what characteristics would make a good relationship? Um, what's important in a relationship? What does a healthy relationship look like? So I think there's a lot of um, things that for myself, I did not learn until I was closer to the age of 40. I am, I'll be 52 soon. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
4: um
8: and so, you know, so a lot of it I learned, you know, the hard way in life, um, you know, but really, you know, to me, I, I did decide at one point, you know, I thought, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be with the blind man again. And then I realized, you know, it's not that because that connection, there is that, you know, that you guys have mentioned earlier that there's mm-hmm. that commonality. Um, yep, you know, yep. it's really, if, if I'm with a blind man, then they need to have blind skills and be as independent as I am.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
8: And I think, I think that's the thing is, you know, what kind of a match are you in all kinds of realms? Um, and you know, my most recent really serious relationship, he actually was disabled. He had a lost a hand mm-hmm. and so, and he had other, you know, physical issues too but he was perfectly sighted and so I was like you know I thought it was a really good working relationship because you know we both did things for each other um, mm-hmm. but you know it's really bad when it is downpouring like major nasty storming and the sighted person won't take the teenagers to the high school that's you know like 10 blocks away and they have to walk to school in the downpour. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah
4: so, <laughs> so
8: there, I, I, th- I think it doesn't matter um, whether they're sighted or not, I, I think it's more looking for, you know, a good, healthy relationship, and you know, are those characteristics? You know, are you going to build each other up or not? Um, are you better when you're with that person, or want to ma- be better yourself? Because nobody's going to change you. You got to change yourself if you choose to. Um, but I think those yep. are really the more important things.
0: And I think the point that you made earlier is is one is is one that that i was impressed by and that is that that i don't think we do often particularly when we're younger um know enough about who we really are and what would actually complement us in a relationship and i wonder if it's if it's not something that we ought to encourage folks who are in education to think about giving to kids who are who are blind or visually impaired when they're in school or in college um so that they have a better sense because I know that, uh, I, I know that I probably was not in a very good position to make good choices by the time that I married the first time, um, Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Some of, some of them had to do with blindness. Some of them didn't. I mean, I, I, but I think, um, but, but I think that what was true is that, uh, I certainly, in high school, and, and really until until I was partway through college, had virtually no experience dating because um, uh, I I wasn't any place I could date blind kids, um, and so it was sighted kids or nothing. And um, and for the most part, um, sighted kids didn't want to be dating a blind guy,
9: yeah, um,
0: be, because that was that that was an indication that they were pretty much of a failure. If they had to do that. So that was interesting.
8: Yeah. Well, well, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm 50 ish and uh, still yep. haven't dated much in my life. I've call. had a, you know, I've yep. had okay. a few partners hey. in my life, but I was it doesn't call mean anyway, I've dated much. So I still, you know, don't have that experience. Um, you know, another another big challenge, in, and I, I think this doesn't matter if you're male or female, is, you know, sometimes. Um, you know, when I meet people right now, because I've play i played around on personal sites and stuff, you know, I end yep. up, you know, meeting people that are like, oh, you know, most of the time I won't divulge, I'm blind until I talk to them mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then it's like, oh, they, they're automatically thinking, you know, they got to be in caretaker mode. Um, and, you know, I'm not looking for a caretaker. I'm looking for that partner. I'm looking exactly. for my Mr. Wonderful for, my, exactly. for the rest of my life. Yep. And so... Um, and, and I don't I always, think a lot of people look
0: yeah, at it that way. I always took the other approach. I I, I always identified as blind right away on on mm-hmm. things like dating sites, and and I mostly used dating sites just to see what kind of people would come back. I really didn't seriously try to use them for dating, and I was actually probably more interested in in um, in 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 what they in in who they said I was as well, which is sort of fun. <laughs>
8: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yep. Miss Carey, thank you so much for your thoughts. Thank you. Yep. <clears throat> Appreciate it.
2: Mr. Rick. Yeah, Area Code nine one eight. I had to mute you when your phone went off. You're you can unmute yourself again. Here we go.
0: Hello, Area Code
2: 918. Nine one eight ending in two nine two. Uh this is Oops, I just muted her by accident. I'm sorry. We're coming back. You need to unmute yourself again.
0: Coming back.
10: Okay, now I'm here. You are. Um, I'm Allison Fallon. I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hey, Allison. And hi. I have. Um. I've. I've. Well, my first marriage. I was very young, and uh, I married someone that was sighted. Uh-huh. And there are a lot of reasons it didn't work out, but a, a lot of reasons were that it was a power thing. You know, um, he would he would use his sight as a power situation, uh-huh. and and that's basically one of the reasons I divorced him because I realized he was taking advantage of me, and so. Uh-huh. I said, bye-bye. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, my second marriage, uh, I married Joe Fallon and we had our issues because his health wasn't wonderful, but we had a wonderful marriage. Um, it was hard at the end, um, not to be his caregiver because he had a number of things wrong with him, but I tried very hard not to be and to be his wife and, uh, and so, um, it was a very happy marriage and I think a very equal marriage as much as it could be, you know, because he had some medical issues, but and
4: we you had guys a very
0: married, good time. You guys were married for quite a while too, were you not?
10: Uh, yeah, we were married 13 years.
0: Yep. Yep.
10: And, uh, I moved to Tulsa.
0: Mm-hmm.
10: We had, j- we had met,
0: sorry. Mm-hmm. Go
10: ahead. we? We had met originally when we first got our guide dogs when I was like, "Oh gosh, sixteen he was eighteen, and mm-hmm. the flame was really there, and we knew that and we he went came to visit my parents a number of times and um, and then I broke up with him because I met somebody in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But we found each other again in 2000, uh, 2002, and we got married in 2007. And he said, and I brought you home. So,
0: That's right. That's yep. right. Joe was an attorney, was he not?
10: Yes, he was. Uh-huh.
0: Yep. 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 That's, that, that is excellent. So do you, do you have any strong feelings about whether, whether a relationship with a blind person or with a sighted person works better?
10: Well, it depends on the people, obviously, but I think there's always going to be an an implicit power down situation. Um, One of the things my ex-husband did, I needed to go somewhere and he was mad. So he said, you know, I'm not taking you.
0: Yeah, figure out how you're going to get there.
10: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, And so... It would it would depend, I suppose, um, but in general, I'd have to. I would be. I'd have to be really careful mm-hmm. if I married someone slated. I mean, I'm not planning on getting married again, but if I were, I, I would have some real. I don't know. I guess I'd have some real qualms about it.
0: You think because you, of the be,
10: experiences of-
0: Right, you'd be more likely to, to, to get married to a blind guy.
10: Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'll marry again. But right. But but I think I probably would, depending on how independent he was.
0: hmm That's so. excellent, Miss Allison. Thank you so much for your call. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Mr. Rick. Deborah Kendrick, please.
0: Deborah. This is going to be interesting. Deborah is by state. She lives sometime in Ohio and sometimes in Florida.
2: I wonder if she stepped away for a sec.
0: Miss Deborah. Well, we may have to go to someone
2: else. Let's try Jane. Jane, if you want to unmute yourself.
0: On the cusp of Minnesota and Texas.
2: Interesting.
0: Assuming it's the same Jane.
2: (laughs) Jane Tolarno. Yep. What's up with you guys? It's not like you... Either one of you to there. Oh yeah I finally got back go. to the Zoom
11: screen. I'm here.
4: <laughs>
11: <laughs> I'm so sorry. Go. No, I never went anywhere. I was right here, but because I wasn't touching the phone, it locked and I had to enter my passcode and go to the app switcher and get back to Zoom. And anyway, hi. Hi. <laughs> so I have to say that um There were other things I was supposed to do tonight, and I blew them off because, when I saw what you were going to do, I thought I gotta go to this one. I just gotta go to this one. So I'm glad you did. I I have a lot to say, but I'll I'll be quick because some people have not. Anyway, um, so um, my situation. I've been blind since I was five years old, but except for the very first few years, I was always in public school. So I had one blind friend growing up and Paul knows who that was, but I didn't even know there were blind boys to be dated. So until I, I mean, I didn't know there were attractive blind men until I was 30, I think. And then I was already married. So that ship had sailed. But so my my high school, I, I know that, you know, comparing my adolescence to, to many other blind friends that I was very fortunate and I know not why um, I, I really I don't. But I, I had a wonderful high school life and wonderful college life. And I had lots and lots of dates and lots of parties and lots of good experiences and all that jazz. And I, whether I would fall in love with a blind person or a sighted person wasn't on the radar because I didn't, I just didn't know. I didn't know there were any blind guys out there. So I've been married twice, uh, the first time for 24 years. And uh, I have three children
3: um, who were the
11: result of that marriage. and They're all wonderful human beings. And um, I, I would say that I was very lucky in that our relationship I've studied a lot, um, about the, 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 the relationships that can evolve between blind and sighted people. And I think there's often a power struggle as some others have mentioned. We didn't have that. We had a really, really good balance, um, I think, you know, he clearly recognized a lot of the things that I brought to the table. And the only time he ever pulled a sighted power thing on me was when we were uh, in a custody battle after the divorce. So and and then I think he was prodded by another person. So so I was, you know, and, and then my second marriage was very brief. Um But also to a sighted person. So what I said jokingly and maybe not so jokingly when I when that second marriage ended is that I would say to my friends, remind me if I ever do this again, it's got to be with a blind guy. And Mm -hmm. so (laughs) and and the reason that I came to saying that was not because there were power struggles um, with either of my sighted husbands, but because with time and evolution and, and growing and becoming immersed in in blind advocacy and making lots of blind friends, I see an ease, um, a comfort that competent – and I, I want to stress competent, which sounds kind of snarky, but when two – smart competent independent blind people are together the ease in those relationships is beautiful and enviable and i think um i think it comes from somebody said it earlier steve maybe um somebody said how you know if you, you something bad happens to you out in the world which we all have day in and day out you know, that people discount us. And sure. Um, it's, it's so validating to come home to someone who's been there and done that and knows what you're talking about. And and the only thing I want to say about this is that in the late 90s, a blind friend and I, Michael Lickstein, who's a blind uh, clinical psychologist, we developed these workshops that we were. Um, tracking around for a couple years to ACB and NFB and AER and nationally and state. And it was a lot of fun, but one of the workshops that we did, we called them in touch with ourselves. And our favorite one was about mixed and matched relationships. And we, what we did is, as we looked at what are the the strengths and the weaknesses in each of those combinations, you know, blind, blind, blind sighted. And, and I think, and we had lots of very interesting people attend our workshops who were representing both kinds of couples. And I think the only rule is that you each understand the other and understand where you are. It, it doesn't matter. Um, I I don't think there's any better or worse kind of relationship at all. I do think that if two people get together, whether they're both blind or one's blind to one sided one blinds, one low vision, if, if either one of them does not own who they are and where they are, the relationship isn't going to work. So, um, So yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. And I'm just really happy that you're talking about this. I think it's really important.
0: I think it is. So let me ask you, let me ask you one question. When, when you guys went around um, doing these workshops, did, is there, is there a particular problem that you thought was more frequent than any other?
11: Yes. Um, two well maybe two problems one was control but more important was what we heard a lot and, and i this may be coincidence but we heard it more from sighted women um mm-hmm. feeling obligated to take care of the mm-hmm. blind man yep. um, and um, this mixed, sort of mixed blessing of burden and, and, you know, like it's a burden and it's a gift, you know, but, but that was the one thing I think that we heard more than any other. And, and it, and it was interesting because um, it, it also prompted me to want to write about it. Cause you know, that's what I do with everything. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know where to go with it. And um Diane Croft at National Braille Press and I talked about this for a while because she saw patterns and thought it would be very interesting to do a book about mixed and matched relationships. And she ultimately pulled the plug because she was afraid we'd offend people. So we didn't do it.
0: Um yeah, I think I think that's very likely. Um yeah. do you think do you think that um or or did you get any evidence because this is something that that I have a a pretty strong feeling about from some of the work that that I did as a counselor way back when um, was that women in particular are often um, treated by their parents in such a way that relationships are made much harder for them. I, I don't think it happens as much with men but I think with with blind women there's a there, there is a fear that people are are going to always want to take advantage of you so you should run like hell rather than rather than trying to get into a, a relationship it's far easier for you to stay safe and and enjoy being a part of your church
11: yeah, there might be some of that, but I think there's so much um, there's such a broad spectrum of mm-hmm. Where people come from, um, you know that the people are raised in so many different kinds of environments and so many different kinds yep. of, of of families um, that I, I'm not sure there any, are any patterns there. One thing somebody said to me a long time ago um, about blind women do you think that so many blind women get divorced because they marry controlling husbands and then the controlling sighted husbands find out they can't control them anymore? And I think that's kind <laughs> of a fun. Um, and it wasn't in in my case, by the way, that was not the case. I mean, m- my divorce from my long marriage had nothing to do with blindness or our relationship. It had nothing to do with any of that. It was a total other tragedies yep. that occurred. But 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 I think I think that is the case. I mean I think I have seen that where women who are blind are uh controlled and then they get their wings so to speak, you know, they find out, hey I can do this and I can do that. And I don't need you to be bossing me around in this yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, and I I I think I I I loved What Steve had to say, I I think that represented what I believe I have seen in so many um, blind, blind relationships. And one other thing I want to say about owning it, you know, my sense is that people, the success in a relationship comes from knowing who you are and where you are. And a really good friend recently visited me for a while, and I don't have her permission, so I won't say who she is but she's low vision and she's wonderful and she's married to someone who's low vision. And she said to me, you know, my parents had a lot of concerns when we were young about my hooking up with a blind guy. And she said, but actually, our vision has been complementary of one another. There are things that I can see better and things that he can see better. So I don't think she said these words, but I would say that it was sort of like together, they sort of made a sighted person. So that all worked yep.
0: out. Yep. So,
11: and again, that's owning it. That's recognizing who you, who you are.
0: And, 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 and each bringing strength to a relationship. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. so that there is a balance. I, I think that's the one thing that's, or the probably the most important thing that's come out of things tonight. Miss Deborah, thank you so much for your call.
9: Well, thank you. And this is Jane. Is it okay if I hop in since I... Think it is. I'm okay. You did. Oh, i I tell you, you run around the keyboard going, where the heck did that key go? I'm very glad to be here. I have been totally blind since just shortly after my twins and my birth. She is legally blind, but has... In, had, in my opinion, a lot of working visions. So over our lifetime together, we have been able to talk more and more about the challenges of her partial sight and whether or not she could really see what she could see or what frightened her that she couldn't see. But we also... Uh, We also talked a lot about the fact that from her perspective and my brother's perspectives as the little blind princess in our family, I worked that program. And let me tell you, I I had to come to realize that without even trying, I was allowed to take advantage of some people And I had to learn to see that, to understand it, recognize it, get it out of the picture for myself. Um, Dating, I loved it. I had a blast. I loved loved high school. I I enjoyed most of my classes. There were a few teachers I could have done without. But I felt like If I was going to prove myself in the sighted world, then I had to put out Uh sexually. And I also had to realize that I didn't have to. You put out if you love somebody. That's when you put out, if you want to use that expression. But that is an expression that meant a lot to me to grab hold of and face off with. I met my husband. When I was 16, he is four years older than I, was traveling out west. He is a forester um, and a journeyman carpenter, and I was utterly impressed by his skills and his love of trees. We met, we dated some, we broke up, spent a few years going separate directions, totally I needed to grow up.
4: Mm
9: -hmm. Um, Reconnected when I was 21, turning 22, and married then. He is cited. I think the challenge in any relationship is communication. What do you tell each other? How do you tell each other? When do you know to walk away and come back after a while? and talk it out, or whatever you do. I think sight is a fact. It's a really important fact and factor in this culture. Um, And I think it can be used against you. And I think it can be used for you. Um, You have to learn to work along in your life. I really think that. And, um, we have children and earlier somebody said they had their kids had to learn to read out loud to them early well <clears throat> i think that kids catch on pretty quick that mom can't see my kids learn to forge my signature i'm not telling you how i discovered that little mishap but you know they got they got appropriate consequences for it and uh, then they didn't do it anymore <laughs> But that's that's life. And uh, but but I do really um, think that in the culture in this country, uh, disability is a, is a huge issue. And so whether or not you are married to somebody with a disability, uh, doing doing teamwork that gets the job done, uh, my husband now has Parkinson's and I'm learning some things about uh, being a caring person that uh-huh. I didn't know that I didn't know I needed to know
4: uh-huh.
9: and um, so uh, Tom doesn't drive anymore so that's been a big adjustment for him. I just keep hopping on the buses and saying let's go uh-huh. you know we can do this. And we do use uh, paratransit now, which I never did before. I think interdependence is the best thing going. Independence is overrated. It just stinks because it makes you have to be a fighter all the time.
0: I think interdependence is the first time that word has come up tonight. I think it's a really Um, good one, Miss Jane.
9: And that's all I want to say. So I just love you all. And by the way, that was my wonderful twin sister who was on earlier. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, there you go thank you miss jane I so
9: proud of yeah we appreciate
0: later, later. it yep. yeah yeah
2: later later yep mr rick uh we don't have any other hands up at the moment paul
0: oh well we've certainly we learned some things yeah
1: yeah i think i just heard john mccann's hand raise Ooh. Oh,
0: oh
2: oh oh okay. Yeah, you're right. Mr. McCann here, but I what did. an interesting choice. <laughs> Mr. John. Hold on just one sec here, guys.
0: I'm gonna find him.
2: There we go. John, you can unmute yourself now. Suspense. <laughs> I've done that twice tonight. John, I'm sorry, I just muted you. Sorry. There
0: we go. You should be good to fly now, Mr.
12: John. I'm now unmuted, am I? You are. Indeed, okay. Well, it's an interesting choice, assuming it even is a choice. I was the last choice of the last chooser. I was the only one with my hand raised. Um, (laughs) Interesting, I almost uh, didn't make it. I forgot that you begin at four o'clock my time. So you're well underway, I dare say. And I don't know all that's been said. I don't know how much I want to say or feel comfortable <laughs> saying, given that although my first wife is like just absolutely not in the blindness community. As a matter of fact, that was sort of a an issue in our relationship. I did not see, even at the outset of my relationship, you know, in the first marriage, just how empowering or just how fulfilling. Let me use that word. My involvement in blindness advocacy would be, and she kind of wanted mm-hmm. no part of it. Um, uh, yeah, I yeah, so, so that that was sort of a dynamic. And one thing, and again, I'm just hoping this really doesn't get back to her. Uh, I am leading up to a point here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, there was a time when I think I knocked over something, or I did something, and I said, you know, it's really, really not a good idea, you know, to put something you know, a glass of water there or that Mm -hmm. goes to the corner of the table or something. And I'll remember this, you know, it just in 40 plus years, I've not forgotten it. She's What was said at the time was, I don't want to live in a blind house. And Mm -hmm. frankly, if I'd had the presence of mind, I should have realized right then that if the marriage hadn't occurred yet, it shouldn't and if the marriage did occur maybe it was time to well I mean that's a that's a different choice to walk away from an engagement or dating mm-hmm. is one thing and a marriage is another but that spoke volumes to me and I wish I'd heard what it said at the time although one can never say well maybe that was just said in a moment of whatever uh, mm-hmm. d- upsetment and you want to read too much into it but where I'm going with this and I've been in a relation a marriage with a sighted person, a long-term relationship with a blind person and a long-term relationship that evolved into a marriage three and a half years ago with my current wife who is sighted this I want to say emphatically blindness exists at a cultural level it simply does this is something I that I believe firmly Mm -hmm. and I think what's critical if you're in a relationship with a sighted person that that person needs to fully appreciate that and You know, my current wife, Emily, and, you know, folks know Emily, know of Emily. She's, you know, I've been with her since coming back into, or basically assuming a national presence uh, in 2011, 2012, going on the board. And, you know, still now I'm chair of the Condemn Bylaws Committee. Uh Uh, Before that time, I was pretty much state level by my own choosing. The conventions Uh and and other national things were just... uh, deep involvement on the national front was not consistent with my parenting responsibilities and other responsibilities I had at the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Emily understands blindness in a way that very few sighted individuals get or grasp. Um, And I, I will never forget, I was discussing, not in the context of blindness, but in the context of ethnicity, and my sister-in-law Eileen, I have both a sister a sister, Eileen, and a sister-in-law, Eileen. And she made the comment that, you know, the one thing to be said for dating close to your ethnicity is that there's a whole lot less to explain. And I think, yeah, you know, that there's certainly some truth in that. Was she railing against or taking a hard no stance against transcultural relationships? Not, but but there is truth in that. And you know, relating it to blindness. If somebody truly understands blindness, then you're not explaining so much or justifying so much.
0: So what you would say is is if you are going to marry a sighted person, establish in advance that that person truly gets what, what blindness culture is and, and how it operates.
12: I think that's, you know, I think that's helpful, uh, mm-hmm. usually. Um, I mean, when Emily and I got together, we were in our late 40s. So you're really beyond the point of, uh, you know, when you're younger, maybe it's more about from the male standpoint, it might be uh, eye candy or, you know, the, I hate to use the word trophy spouse, but that sort of thing. Or from the woman, it's, you know, bread, maybe also good looking, career status. You know, you've been through enough of life to realize that those things really are ultimately are not important. It's about compatibility. It's about symbiosis if you will not not that the relationship should be purely transactional but but it, it's about deeper things it's uh, things that are less superficial i mean you you realize that in your late 40s um and, and so we had that going for us um and i forget what my larger point here was though <laughs> um,
0: so when you were in a long-term relationship with a blind person i don't think i don't think you ever got married but the that the relationship um, uh, was it Was it stronger because both of you Were blind or weaker do you think
12: Oh I think it was stronger uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't Debates or issues over blindness It was just general mm-hmm. personality stuff Or you know uh, they, You both had form.
0: pretty Strong personalities too
12: uh, I suppose we did Yeah mm-hmm. I suppose we did But But the conflicts in that sense Were sublimated such as they were
0: Yeah Yeah. Interesting. Um, I have not had a chance to get to know Emily well, but I'm looking forward to being able to do that one of these days. Um, and and of course, you were involved at the national level a long time ago, way back in the 80s.
12: So. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Which was sort of a bone of contention with. I mean, that's part of the reason I didn't go to the conventions. I I went mm-hmm. for half the convention. That was a big concession in 1984. And then actually, right. I go I went to go uh, to the convention in 1985 because it was part of my job. I was then working. Uh, basically, you know, as Erwin, uh, Derwin McDaniel's Aaron Boy, as uh, yep. director of the Affiliated Leadership League, of and for the blind right. of America. That's that's right. going way back. But I mean, that was what really put me in the position of being able to hard those and say, "No, I'm going to this convention. It's part of my job responsibilities."
0: <laughs> yep, yep. It's, it's interesting. So, I, I guess one last question: How would how would you define, if you can? Um, you know, you've you, you, you've talked a little bit about blind culture, and I don't know if you noticed that in the latest issue of the of the forum, I wrote an article sort of on blind culture. So I'd be interested in 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 first. I, I gather from what you said that you believe there is such an animal, and if there is such an animal, what does it look like?
12: Well. At least for, I need to qualify here a little bit. Blindness culture really uh, comes to the fore for people who are congenitally blind because the way you interact with the world around you is fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that Emily and I talk so much about, you know, where it comes up a lot, we, we explore it, you know, in a mutually respectful relationship is just the extent to which Sighted people rely on body language. But to me, I kind of shake my head. You know, she's fond of telling me that. You know, I can go to a foreign country and have a whole conversation, or I can be here in the United States and have a whole conversation without opening my mouth, without either party to it opening their mouth. And I kind of shake my head and I said, "Well, okay, you <laughs> know, I'll take your word for it." Um, but that's obviously not a, it, it's if it's not an alien concept to the congenitally blind it's one that will never truly resonate it's just like asking somebody who is anophthalmic from birth uh, or who is whose sight was a ground zero from birth try to explain color to them it's not really going to make any sense this nonsense yellow is like a this or a that and I, I shake my head when people you know talk about that it's a domain unto itself and it doesn't translate over to other senses uh, in any real or what I would uh, legitimate or uh, in, in any way that makes sense to my. So is
0: standpoint. is so the culture strong enough that that there is um, there is membership in the culture and 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 uh, and folks who are outside the culture?
12: Oh, boy, do you really want me to go there? Um, yeah, this is why I think we struggle so much in terms of recruiting or having our message and our whole organization resonate with the late in life blind,
4: mm-hmm.
12: because let's put the cards right the heck out there on the table. They've been forced into a world that they want no part of, no part of no, no one. I mean, maybe there's a singular instance. I do recall there was an instance on the Dr. Phil show. Okay. Where somebody deliberately blinded themselves, but we are a group that nobody voluntarily Engineers uh, circumstances or makes themselves a part of voluntarily, you know blindness is not a freely chosen alternative lifestyle. So with that being the case, you have these people who lose their sight later in life, and to be brutally frank, from my from my standpoint, their attitude in many cases is, "God just finished the job. If this is what you're going to do to me, I'm done." So, how are you going to get them to adopt blindness at a cultural level?
0: That's 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 a good question. I think one of the things we have to do is is to perhaps define it a little bit more than we do, Um, and 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 maybe maybe we'll spend another Tuesday topic trying to talk about that. Maybe I can con you into
12: into that would be a topic. You know, as you, as we've as I think this conversation has revealed, that's a topic you could easily spend a full episode on. Or I think, so we, on. Could. I and think we could. In several shows, maybe. You know, The whole idea <laughs> of blindness culture, it's been talked about. But I, I would have to give it more thought to lay out all the specifics. But fundamentally, as a catch-all, I'll come back to the phrase that the way we interact with the world is fundamentally different. We don't do body language. We're infinitely more, if not exclusively, relegated to tone of voice in interpreting uh, beyond the words? Uh, for, for
0: You know, for, for me, what you're describing are things that we don't do that other people do. Um, and and I I, I think there, there are some other things, but we'll, we'll leave it for another show. But I think there are some things we do that other people don't. And I think if you're going to have a culture, there has to be some of those.
12: Well... Um, you know, it's said that mother is the necessity of invention. And I say, I think some of the times that Emily and I have, uh, we, we have a very great relationship. We hardly ever fight, but the closest we ever come to fighting is when she moves stuff and I go ballistic, I kind of go nuts. I mean, I have to tamp myself down. I am an unreconstructible maniacal crazoid when it comes to, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. I just don't have the time or the patience to grope for things. You know that should be where they should be. Mm-hmm. So, so there's an you know uh, maybe a hyper rigidity which, in the absence of visual impairment, would be ascribed to off the charts. You know, aut and like an aut manifestation of autism that you're so mm-hmm. fixated on. And I'm not talking about a thing being an inch or two out of place. Right. But I am talking about something as as minimalist from a sighted person's pers- perspective as moving it to the kitchen counter across um, you know, across the kitchen that we have right. 50 counters in our kitchen. Okay. I mean, well, I ultimately find it. Yeah. But, and maybe it gets me more upset than it should, but I'm, um, I'm a man. I, and I lived alone for quite some period of time, even when Emily and I worked together, but she was in Germany and she was, you know, she was very, um, upfront with me that, uh, she would not move to D.C. and I was and, and it wasn't a good wouldn't have been a good housing situation. So we right. had a long distance relationship from the end of 2003 to basically my relocation or you know, at the at the beginning of 2015 when I when we were in Kansas together uh, for four or five months awaiting the sale of, a, of my condo. And then we moved out here together. I said, you know, us setting up a, a joint domicile was going to have to wait until I retired. Uh, mm-hmm. I only say that by way of saying this: that even though Emily and I were in a relationship for a lot of the time, she wasn't there. So what got put in a certain place stayed there because I lived alone.
0: <laughs> and 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 also the, the 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 long distance relationship is probably harder to manage than than one where you're together all the time. I think.
12: Yeah, but. You know, it it certainly worked out. I mean, there was never any oh, it question did. in my it, there was certainly never question in my mind yeah. that, that 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 things were going to work. And she did have the ability to stay with me for maybe two months and three month stretches here and there. It's not like we mm-hmm. never spent. It's not like it was weekends or exclusively telephone or one week or two week visits. You know, that there, there were her circumstances were such that she was able to stay with mm-hmm. me for two or three months, but then she either had to go home to, home to mom or she was helping her friend uh, who was a military spouse with their, you know, basically she was an au pair for their child and, mm-hmm. you know, different, interesting gigs she had. Yep. Nice, mm-hmm.
0: sir. Thank you so much. So, okay. glad that, so glad that you came on, John. Yes, Appreciate Jim. it, sir.
12: To I'll make it. Take care. Excellent. I'll lower my hand yep. here. Or, or Very I'll good. M- mute myself. Thank you.
2: Penny Moss, please. Penny Moss. Yeah. Yes, it's Penny. Penny. Hey.
13: Yeah. Oh, no. um, I wanna, I'll want i try to keep my comments short, but when we talk about blind culture, I think it has many facets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you can say it's just one blind culture. Um, one reason I say that is because um, I'm 68 now. I'll be 69 in September, and I grew up in public school. I was in that generation that were the first generation to grow up in public school. And we thought there was a vast difference between the blind people that went to school for the blind and those of us who grew up in public school. And uh, I met my last boyfriend at Arkansas Enterprises, which is Lion's World now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he was partially sighted. And I really enjoyed that relationship and that I felt like I could talk to him about, we both had grown up in public school and I felt like I could talk to him about sighted things and we were both Baptists and we mm-hmm. could talk about church things and we both were very driven as our careers and we both achieved mm-hmm. what we wanted to do in our careers. But the problem was, You know, blindness at that time was so different. Living with blindness, I think, was so different in our time in the 70s than it is today. And that's one thing that has not been mentioned. You know, we did not have... It isn't. And we did not have the technology. We did not have all the things that would make life easier. And so because of that, he was a triplet and all three boys were... Uh, visually impaired so his mother particularly and his family put a lot of pressure on him to marry a sighted woman which he ultimately did when we reached our 40s so we were in a long-term relationship mostly long distance um for that time and it was very very difficult for me when he decided ultimately that's what he wanted and um you know he he kept saying you know i'll i could change my mind about it you know and and at first he really didn't see anything wrong with us being together in the blindness thing but then he changed his mind and i but i didn't change mine you know i worked through it on my side of it so mm-hmm. what i found for me um was that I've always been attracted to uh, visually impaired men who were ambitious, which he was, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. wanted to do something with their lives, because I was like that. Uh, and mm-hmm. but yet they wanted to marry sighted women because they felt like that's what they needed to do in advancing their careers. And so, for those of us who blonde women who like myself, very assertive and very driven, it's been hard to find a man that I felt like I could be compatible with. And then when I was around sighted men, I didn't feel that I could talk to them about the basic things, the blindness stuff. They just Mm -hmm. didn't understand it and they didn't know how to relate to it. And so that's, that's been my story. And I think I look back and I think about us now, I, f- I feel like if we had been born later, if, if our situation had, if we had been living in today's time, I think we would more likely have married because we still would have had the transportation issues, but the technology and all the things we have now would have made life so much easier. So I think there's a different, diff- and you know, Growing up in public school, um, in our age bracket, there was so much pressure from teachers and parents that you have to marry somebody sighted because it'd make your life easier. They didn't think about, is it that you love that person or that you would work together? and, And you can work it out if you're both visually impaired, but you both have to believe that you can and be willing to work around the little bugaboos that you have. And I think that my ex really honestly concluded that we could not have this full of life. I thought we could, but he thought we couldn't. And so we couldn't, it was while we couldn't stay together. And it's, it's very, it's, it still makes me sad to this day, but I, I know in my heart that I think the choice or whether to uh, be involved with somebody who's sighted or blind—that's a choice that every blind person has to make on their own, and it, because it's a lifestyle issue,
0: and yeah, that's I I, th- I think I think that's very true. Um, so, Miss Penny, when when he made that decision to mm-hmm. to, to get involved with a sighted person. Um, did 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 you feel pretty rejected, or or uh, that it was your fault, or did yeah. you feel like
13: I did feel rejected? Do you think, yeah. I
0: did
13: feel rejected. Mm-hmm. I mean it it was very much. I, I felt like you know if I could do something to change it, I would have. You know, mm-hmm. and yes, mm-hmm. I did feel rejected and hurt, and I felt like I was you know being put on the shelf, and. um mm-hmm. And he thought I was such a flirt that I'd find somebody else, but I never did because I never felt like I could talk to anybody else the way I could talk to him. So
0: yeah, anyway. oh, and it's, and it's hard when you're in a relationship for as long as that, And then somebody somebody turns away from the relationship not because mm-hmm. of anything that you've done, but because of a a a, a principle that that they're suddenly espousing that's so mm-hmm. different, like like getting married to a sighted person.
13: Right. And he was, in a, he was in a work situation that he had moved to a small town where they had no taxi service. Mm-hmm. He really needed to have a sighted wife. And uh, the other thing was, I thought it was my fault. I thought I had done something wrong, something terrible. And I I blamed myself for years. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. he passed away that uh, three and a half years ago that I was able to work out all
0: that. Well, I'm glad that you were able to. Miss Penny, thank you so much for your call. Mm-hmm. We very much appreciated hearing your story. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you. you. Mr. Rick, anybody else? No, not at the moment.
0: So we, we, so we ought to attack, we ought to attack Larry now. So Larry, you've had a chance to hear all kinds of stuff. From all kinds of folks for the last two hours. Uh, do you wanna do you yeah. wanna put your relationship in context? <laughs> Larry's gone. <laughs> <laughs> ah that? well. I'm back. Ah, there
1: he is. Sorry. Uh, we had to eat and I gotta leave after right after this is done. So that's what I was doing. But I walked into the room and he said, Ah, Larry's gone. I thought Fascinating ah, so my, timing
0: yeah. So my question, my question was, you, you've had a chance to listen to a, a fair amount of, of what went on, um, and my question is, do you want do you, do you want to add some things, perhaps about your relationship in the context of what we've heard tonight?
1: I was hoping I would get the chance to do this, but mm-hmm. I didn't know if there was going to be enough time. And I've got, it's not just John and myself, it's it's friends as well. So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you have to be socially acceptable and answer the You do. Say, Hi, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because if you're expecting uh, lots of turmoil and trouble and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, it, it, it ain't, you ain't going to hear it in the next three or four minutes or so. Because, yep. uh, you know, I've been totally blind all my life. My wife, Melinda, was born sighted. Uh, Became a type 1 diabetic early on, uh, juvenile diabetes. And by the time she was 22, she had lost her sight due to diabetes. In fact, she was driving and her eye hemorrhaged. And uh, she went to the hospital and she was blind in one eye the next day. Two months later, she hemorrhaged in the other eye. So in the space of about three to four months, she had no sight at all. And her attitude, I mean, she said she did some crazy stuff when she found out that she was blind mm-hmm. for the first few months, but never told me what they were. She said, you don't want to know, and I'm not going to tell you. But but her attitude was awesome. She said, okay, if this is the way it is, then we're going to make the best of it. And... Uh, so I, I met her when I was in my forties. She had already begun working for Braille Institute as a receptionist, and I mean, in the space of a couple of years, after she went blind, she said, "This I, I'm going to make the best of this." Her attitude was awesome, and and you know we we first met when I walked into Braille Institute after college and after fine looking for work, etc., and I was there to learn whatever they might want to teach me. And didn't even know her or that she was blind. Had no cu- no clue. But I enjoyed talking to her because she made me laugh, and and I enjoy making people laugh. I love people to begin with, but she made me laugh, and we had it. We we hit on it, and we just enjoyed each other, and uh, didn't think about actually ever seeing each other. It just evolved. It just <laughs> happened, and uh, it it got to the point where. Eventually, when we began to see each other, she said, I don't I don't think we want to go much further with this because I'm diabetic. I'm a type one diabetic and I, we're never going to live together to grow old. It's just not going to happen. The doctors told me I would be lucky to live until I was 30. Mm-hmm. And of course, she lived until she was 52 and we got married. I was in my mid 40s and she was seven years younger and nice. She was the best thing that ever happened to me. And and I love my family. My family is great. But when they first saw her, you know, of course, she helped it along by we went to the beach and we had a beach party and she brought along chocolate chip cookies. So immediately they said, she's a keeper. If you lose her, you're
4: stupid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we we just, you know, we talked to each other. We loved each other. We communicated always with each other. And, and and it was a, She said, "You know, you know, marriage is a difficult thing, at mm-hmm. best, and you better know that." And I said, "I do." She said, "Okay, well, you know, and if we're going to marry, you need to make sure that you're gainfully employed." I did. I began working for Marriott in 2000, and uh, and we got to the point where we said, "We talk to each other all the time." Uh-huh. And and we always said I love you when it was time to go to bed at night. And whenever we got into an, an argument, I don't know that we ever got into a drag, a knockdown, out fight. Don't think we ever did. Uh-huh. That. But we got angry at each other, and and we walked away and came back and always made up. Always said I'm sorry. You know, that wasn't right. And we talked through stuff. Me being a communications major, I knew that that's what was necessary. But but it was it felt so right as a as a person to do that I- as well. And we did, and uh, so when it got to the point where you know she knew that it wasn't going to be much longer because of the diabetes, it spread, and she had some heart issues and was on dialysis. She said, "I want to when I go, I want to be home with you. I don't want to be in a hospital." And uh, and that's the way it actually worked out. Nice. Oh, it was it was the happiest ten years of my life. She we were married at a, uh, for nine years and almost maybe four days shy of 10, 10 years.
0: Excellent. And and, you know, and did did that spoil you for relationships after that or
1: Well, or no. Have, I mean, I've 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 dated mm-hmm. somewhat, but I've never found anybody and I'm not worried about it at all. Mm-hmm. I'm a very spiritual person, so I mm-hmm. believe if God wants me to find somebody, I will. If I don't, I won't. I'm happy. I mean, I mm-hmm. if anybody could have had the lovely the, the lovely happiness that I had over 10 years then then I applaud them because it was terrific so if it happens great if it doesn't I'm, I'm very blessed I really am so I take it one day at a time and enjoy people and enjoy events and that's that's why I'm here as well because I'm here to learn as well and I'm being able to do that on a weekly basis so good stuff thank During you Sunday. sir you're welcome I know I realize Appreciate we're close so I'll shut we out. are yeah. we are
0: so, ladies and gentlemen, I have, I have made a, an, an executive decision. Um, it may be a dangerous one, but we'll find out. Let me announce to everybody who's here that we're going to do it. We're going to spend next week talking about blindness culture. Does it exist? Is it real? Or does it not exist? Um, is are there characteristics that differentiate blind people from sighted people are older blind people who have been able to see most of their life automatically barred from blindness culture because as john mccann suggested earlier uh, it's something that happens to folks right at the beginning of life because of their blindness so tune in next week and um, share your thoughts on what blindness culture is and how it works in the meantime i'd like to thank everybody who was kind enough to share so much of their personal lives with us tonight it's not always easy to talk about things that folks did tonight all of us are who we are because of our lives good night